and we're live. Welcome to Daily Confidence for Entrepreneurs. My name is Mustafa Hosseini, and we're here with another episode uh, with an amazing guest, Larry Levine, and we're talking about selling from the heart. Amazing topic, very important and very important these days. Now, at Daily Conference for Entrepreneurs, we uh, focus on sharing tips, strategies, and actionable advice that you could use when it comes to running your business on a daily basis and boost your confidence. During, uh, before and after the show, if you like, comment, and subscribe to our channel on whichever uh, channel you're um, watching from, you subscribe, you enter the draw to win gifts. And if you could tag a friend who could benefit from the conversation that we're having and or ask questions while we're live, you enter your name for the draw as well. Make sure you follow and subscribe to whichever channel you're uh, watching from, which, whether it's YouTube, LinkedIn, uh, uh, or any other channel, you, or Facebook for, 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 for that. Now, we're, welcome, Larry. How's your day going so far? It's going awesome. Hey, I've been looking forward to this. I think we're going to have a great well, time. I can already tell. Likewise, yeah, I've been looking forward to this, and it's one of my favorite topics. And so, um, let me do the proper introduction to you, and then we're going to dive right into it, shall we? You go for it. It's your show. I'm all. all right. I'm just here for the ride. I appreciate it. Larry Levine is the best-selling author of Selling from the Heart and the co-host of the Selling from the Heart podcast, with 30 years of in-the-field sales experience with within the B2B technology space, he knows what it takes to be a successful sales professional. In a post-trust uh, sales work, Larry Levine helps sales teams leverage the power of authenticity to grow re revenue, grow themselves, and enhance the life, lives of their clients. Larry is, a, uh, is leading a revolution and a movement of authenticity, integrity, and substance in the sales profession. He believes people would rather do business with a sales professional who sells from the heart as opposed to a sales rep who is an empty suit. Welcome, Larry. <laughs> How's it going? Good to, <laughs> sorry, good I'm laughing. I just I, every time I hear empty suit, I just start laughing. So sorry. Well, that's how I got I got I got a question <laughs> on that topic. So it's coming up. We're going to talk about it for a good hour here. Oh, uh, uh, where, where are you logging from? I'm in Southern California, so I live in a city called Thousand Oaks, California, which is sandwiched in between Los Angeles and Santa Barbara, about 50 miles inland from Malibu, California. Nice, nice. And what's the weather like down there right now? It's pleasantly uh, beautiful. It's We were just talking about it. It's 81 yeah. degrees right now. So convert that to Celsius for all the Celsius people and do the math. because 26, 27 degrees? Yeah, something like it's that. Pretty close to what we got up here in Canada, in Calgary, Alberta. And um, I really look forward to this. So uh, are, are you You must be close to the ocean, obviously, right? We get the ocean breeze every day. So right. I'm, I, like I said, I'm 50 miles from Malibu. I'm about 12 miles from uh, what we call Oxnard Ventura and all that. So I'm fairly close to the ocean. Very nice. Do you do, do, you do surfing and stuff? <laughs> uh, no. Oh, okay. That would be no, and that's with a capital N O. No. <laughs> oh, okay. So okay, we'll talk about the personal stuff. Um, talk about it later. So, uh, Larry, what is your story? Uh, and and thanks for asking because I have a very close mentor friend of mine, and he always shares this with me. He goes, "You never know somebody until you know their backstory." Uh huh. 
And backstories are phenomenal because I, I believe that's the fastest way you can connect and relate to somebody is through their backstory. So um, I'll take everyone, if it's okay, I'm gonna take them on a quick journey, but I think they'll really get an idea from my backstory to what led me to what I'm doing right now. And I think it'll become crystal clear. So uh, I grew up in a house, a really unique and different household. And I share this with you because I love my parents dearly, but I was just cut from a different mold. So my dad was a rocket. So my dad, both my parents are still alive. They're both retired. My sure. dad was a rocket scientist for the United States Air Force. Nice. And my mom was just like an executive admin person. And my dad studied liquid jet propulsion, has a, got a PhD in aeronautical physics from two Ivy League schools before he was 20. So kind of setting the stage, that's what I had to grow up with. I grew up with a very process-oriented, highly educated father and a very relationship-oriented mom. My dad traveled a lot, was constantly gone, and my mom raised us with my two sisters. So I always say I got a lot of female tendencies in me, and that's okay because that's what makes me me. I'm a highly emotional guy, mm-hmm. very emotional guy. And... After graduating college, I fell into sales. It's a complete polar opposite of what my parents are doing. They hate everything about sales. Then I fell into sales and I fell into the most brutally competitive, what I call highly dysfunctional sales channel that's out there. I can say because I lived through it. I grew up in the office technology channel. So I sold copiers in the Los Angeles marketplace my whole entire career, 28 plus years selling copiers. Wow throughout Los Angeles. And what was really interesting is the first year I was in sales, it was the best year of my life and the worst year of my life. It's where I really learned some of the things that transformed what I did in the sales channel that I grew up in is I made good money the first year, more money than I'd ever made previously, which was all, this goes back to 1987. I will tell you, I made 18,000 whopping dollars in 1987. And I thought I was making a lot of money because I was right out of college. And it was old school, analog in nature. And I caught on to something really quick. And I share this with people is I believe one of my secret gifts was I had an innate sixth sense. I was really cognizant of what this what was going on within my sales team. I was listening to and watching how salespeople were interacting on the phone, what they were saying and possibly what they were not saying or what they could have said. I was doing ride outs with salespeople and I learned something along the line very quickly that if I didn't make it about them, if I didn't make it about the customer or my future customer, I was gonna be short lived for a sales career because at that time, everybody made it about them, their product, their company. Quite frankly, it still happens to today. But what I did that was completely polar opposite is I'm a very inquisitive person. And I started to ask people as I started to develop my book of business, what do you like? What do you don't like about salespeople? What's great service look like? What's what's horrific service look like? What's exceptional service look like? And I started to build this up and I started to build this up. And again, this isn't rocket science. I just did the complete polar opposite of everything, of all the negative things. And I flipped them into positive and I consistently doubled down on caring, respect, appreciation. And I poured into my customers more than anybody else. 
I was never the smartest salesperson out there, but nobody was going to outcare me. And in a, in a sales world that's com brutally competitive, in a sales channel that the race to the bottom still exists to this day with high sales turnover, what made me stand out was me. And it's what I brought to the forefront. And it's how I connected and related to my customers. And it propelled me through a whole entire career from every sales position until I exited the copier channel in 20, in the spring of 2015. And in the spring of 2015, I had a life altering moment. I was fired from my very first job ever. And I openly talk about it now. I had to come to grips with it. And I came to grips with it through writing my book. But so I was you had that job for like 20, 30 years there? No, actually, I was with the same company 20 years. Then uh, I agreed to disagree and we parted ways and I sold a portion of my company. And then I went on to start another part of my career later on in life. And I'm a big believer in this, that we have aha moments throughout our life. Mm -hmm. And those aha moments could be good aha moments or they could be not so good aha moments. I had an aha moment when I realized at about 48 years old, it was time for me to move on. And so I sold a portion of my company and I decided to move on. And I went to the corporate side, the direct side of life in the office technology channel. And I spent 18, 19 months, excuse me, in that sales channel until the day I was relieved from my job duties. Totally came unexpected. At 50 years old, I had to find myself doing something else. First time ever that I, I was found myself without a job and I decide what to do. I can either go back and be a VP of sales in the sales channel that I grew up in and ride off to a complacent sunset, making really good money, or I could choose to do something else. And I doubled down on myself. I reinvented myself and I said, you know what? I'm going to start working with sales teams, sales leaders, sales organizations on what made me, me. And that what I, what I believe made me, me is I brought my heart to the forefront. I brought the best version of myself to the forefront. I cared about my customers and I learned the art behind truly building a relationship with people to help me grow my business. And I believe still to this day in my heart, this is the missing link in sales. It's bringing your best version of yourself forward, how you connect at a heart level and how you bridge the relational gaps that are going on between salespeople, sales organizations, organizations in general and their customers. Got it. Hmm. So you you put you touched on a few important points that I'm going to come back to later. So what do you do now? What do you do these days, and who do you serve? So again, it's it's morphed over time, and again, I want to preface this: I'm not afraid to try new things. Mm -hmm. I believe that the way you grow is to try new things, and to me, growth and comfort they don't play well together. They just, they just don't, they don't coexist. It's impossible to grow if you're comfort. If you're comfortable, you can't grow. So at 50 years old, I embarked on being an entrepreneur. I always say I was forced into entrepreneurship. I didn't choose entrepreneurship. It was forced on me because of the circumstances that were dealt to me at 50 years old. So for about a year and a half, almost two years, I worked exclusively in the office technology channel, just coaching sales teams on how to integrate the concepts around social, right? How to position themselves on LinkedIn and so forth. Mm -hmm. And I was, and I was freaking beating my head against the wall, just absolutely going bonkers going, you know what, there's gotta be a better way. I'm, and either if I figure this out, 
something's got to give because it just wasn't happening after a year and a half. And I almost gave up. And I remember it was, uh, I was getting ready to speak at an event and um, he wasn't my podcast partner at the time, but I asked a very close near and dear friend of mine, Daryl Amy, who's now the co-host of the Selling from the Heart podcast. I asked him, I said, hey, you know what? I'm just willing to try new things. Do you want to start a podcast? And he goes, what the heck are you talking about? Why do you want to start a podcast? What are two ex-copier guys going to talk about that anybody will listen to? And I go, I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll just figure it out. And he goes, I'll do it only under one condition. You better come up with a really good name for this podcast or I'm bailing. I'm going to bail on you. You fly solo on this podcast. I said, that's cool. We'll call it Selling from the Heart. And he goes, oh, I like it. He goes, by the way, where'd you pull that one from? And I said, hey, you've known me for a long time. I brought my heart to the forefront. I'm a highly emotional, relationship-oriented. I'm a sensitive guy. I admit it. Uh We're going to bring heart, sincerity. We're going to bring authenticity to the forefront. We're going to create a movement around this in the sales profession. He goes, I'm all in. Four years ago, we started the Selling from the Heart podcast. Very nice. The book, then it transitioned to the book. The book came out two and a half years ago. And my life's never been the same since. I work with all kinds of organizations from SaaS to tech, to banking, to the sports world. Um, Some organizations in the old sales channel that I came in, financial services, insurance services, any organization where relationships matter, I'm gonna work with them to help strengthen relationships, grow revenue and grow their salespeople to improve the relationships with their most precious asset, that being their current customers. Love it. Love it. Love it. So um, you talked about transitioning at, at age 50, you sold your company, you got out, and then you had to find yourself. Um, and so I figured that uh, within the year and ha- past year and a half of the pandemic, a lot of people kind of ha- have had to find themselves or they are in the process of how did that go for you and what is was there anything in particular that you did to kind of overcome that finding of yourself where you felt yeah. like you probably were lost and you're like here's what i did here's here's a book here's a, a a list or a bunch of questions what did you exactly did you do uh, we were i was just talking about this yesterday not on a podcast but i was just talking about it with a good friend of mine if i you know if i look i'm 56 years old so if I look back and I go back to, I'm going to say, if I go back, I'll just cut my age in half. If I went back to when I was 28 years old, I mm-hmm. wish I would have done what I'm doing now at 28 years old, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know. I knew what I knew and I knew what I didn't know. Right. Um, I would suggest this, the best thing, cause I've seen it. I've transformed myself. I believe even during the pandemic is I learned how to double down on myself. So mm-hmm. what's that mean? I'm a big believer in this. It's the inner work that people do will transform the outer success that they have. Mm-hmm. And the inner work means you got to really get in tune with who you are. And by the way, I have, I'm going to preface about what I'm ready to say is I don't have a doctorate in psychology, human behavior, anything yep. like that. Mm-hmm. None whatsoever. But I always tell people I have a doctorate from getting the crap kicked out of me selling copiers in Los Angeles my whole life. I'm just bringing real world stuff through a practitioner's eyes to the forefront. And I'm willing to talk about things. And I'm will. And I always say that the mess 
that I created has now become my message. All the mess that I went through in my late 40s and into my 50s has now become my message. And so what I'd offer people to really just really, really think about, especially in sales, because this was just asked me a couple days ago. Somebody asked me, a salesperson asked me, they go, Larry, how does all this inner work, how does all of this stuff translate to me becoming a better salesperson? Mm -hmm. And I go, great question. I said, what happens when you don't maintain your car? What happens if you never change the oil? If you never, you know, get do routine tune-ups on your car? What happens if you never change the tires and all that? They go, my, he goes, my car falls apart. I said, what happens if you never do routine checkups for yourself? Hmm. And I'm not, I'm not talking about routine visits to the doctor. I'm talking inner work is inner heart work, inner mind work, inner body work. I learned this during the pandemic really, really well. Yeah. And where I learned this from is my coaches and mentors, people that are near and dear to me, people that are in my inner circle that I confide in. I learned how to transform my morning routines that transform my brain that actually, once I was in a better state of mind, selling from the heart started to expand even more. Why am I saying this is we got to learn how to reinvent ourselves. We got to learn how to get reacquainted with ourselves. We got to learn how to re-engage with ourselves. Everyone in, I'm being sales specific when I say this, is a vast majority of people out there in sales are chasing the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. And I'll repeat that. Many, I believe in sales are chasing the wrong thing. I chased it for a long time. I chased the commission checks. I chased all the materialistic things that came along with sales. Mm-hmm. But what I was failed to, what I was failing mightily at working at was the inner part of who I was. I was happy on the outside, but I wasn't happy on the inside. If you get what I'm saying. Oh yeah. So what did you do? What were some examples of things that you did to like, let's talk about your morning routine. You said during the pandemic, did I get this right? You said during the pandemic, you kind of revamped your morning routine. Uh-huh. So, um, I, I'll, <laughs> would you so be open to share I'll, with us some? yeah I'm, I'm an open book you can ask me anything and i'll tell it. it's no 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 big deal um i get up at three o'clock in the morning seven days a week and wow. by the way i'm on the west coast time so i get up at three o'clock in the morning pacific standard time i do it for a reason because it works for me and i'm not saying i get up at three to rub it in everyone's face and say hey get up before 85 percent of most people i figured out a long time ago where my brain works the best. Mm -hmm. And I learned that I'm a morning person and I try to get all my heavy lifting, all my things done when my brain's the freshest. And when my brain's not the freshest, usually mid towards late afternoon, I don't do any heavy work. I'll have conversations, but nothing that requires thought. So at three o'clock in the morning, when I wake up the first, I'm a big believer and I learned this over time is I would, I'd still wake up at three, but I'd go right to the gym because I went to a gym that was constantly open. But then over the past year, I just transformed my morning routine. So I will wake up at three o'clock in the morning, again, mm-hmm. seven days a week. I drink a glass of water. It's the first thing I do first thing in the morning. I literally get up, I walk right to the kitchen, drink a glass of water. And then for one hour, I work completely on myself completely for the first 15 minutes of the morning, I will sit either in my office or I'll go into the living room and I'll sit in complete darkness. That's it. Are you meditate? 
I, I don't meditate, but I just, the wheels start turning, right? I just thinking, I just think, and it's not complicated stuff, right? It's not mind bending stuff. I just, for 15 minutes, I just process, you know, what's something I can do different today? What did I do yesterday? Right. Who's one person I can have a conversation with. These are just things. It works for me. It may not work for anybody else, but the, I talk, I talk about the first hour is mindset mm -hmm. messaging and me. Those are the three things that I work on the first hour. So the first 15 minutes, complete darkness. Then for the next 20 to 30 minutes, I will then either watch or listen to a leadership podcast. Mm -hmm. And uh, it could be spiritual leadership. It could be uh, just leaders that I look up to. I'll either follow them on YouTube or I'll listen to their podcast, something like that. That's the next part of this. And then the remaining part of this, I try to read two to three chapters of a book. That's the first hour of every morning. Why? I'm filling my brain with positivity. Love it. And it gives me things to talk about. Mm -hmm. It gives me things to talk about with like-minded people, people in my inner circle, clients, future clients. Yeah, I, I'm a big believer that the first hour of what you do will determine what happens throughout the day. Now, there might be listeners that are watching this that are going, I think you're fully, you know what, I just can't see how this plays out. But I am here to tell you, how do you know if it doesn't work unless you try it? I'm not saying that y'all get up at three o'clock in the morning, get up when you do, right? I challenge you to get up 30 minutes earlier than you normally do. Spend five minutes in self-reflect. Spend yeah. 10 minutes and listen to something inspirational or motivational and read two or three chapters of a book. You can literally do that in 30 minutes. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, after that first hour, I might do a light workout in my house and I might check some email and then I take a break and I usually go out for a walk. And then right about six o'clock in the morning, I journal and I write down my mission statement. I write down three things I'm grateful for. I write down an inspirational message. I write down three things that I want to accomplish today. I write down um, somebody, uh, some friend I'm going to reach out to, a client I'm going to reach out to, a friend I'm going to reach out to, an influencer, a prospect. And I write this down every single day. And then at the end of the day, I reflect upon it. What worked, what didn't work, what was my lesson for the day? And that's all sandwiched in between working. And you do all of that in the morning. I do all of that in the morning. And then I recap for about 10, 15 minutes in the afternoon before I wrap my day up. So you write down who your influencers, friends. Did I get that right? Yeah. In fact, I'll, if you don't mind, I'll, do you want me to share it? I can share it with you. Absolutely. So I use, I use a form like this, right? Can you see this? Yep. So for all you, I use a form just like this. And I write down every single day. I'm a big believer. It's pen to paper. And I write down my mission statement of value for the day. I write down three things I'm grateful for, three things I'm anticipating throughout the day. I write down an inspirational quote. And then on the back, I take my electronic calendar and I convert it to paper. And right down here, I have a running total of everything that I do from five o'clock in the morning until I check out in the afternoon by hour, by 30 minute increments. And then I write down one thing I'm going to work on, on my heart, my mind, and my energy for the day. And I write down one person I'm going to reach out to that's a family member, a friend, a client, a prospect, or an influencer. 
And then I write down the must do's that I must do for that day and the rest of the week. And I do that every single day. Well, that's actually very powerful. Very. Uh, 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 do you literally do this every day or are there days where you're like, oh, I just don't feel like doing it today? It's it's every, listen, it's every single day. And this is 90 days worth. And then at the end of every quarter, I just clip it and then I have them here and I can thumb through it. Okay, so what's an what's what 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 has been the result of doing this for you? Um, what's been and the compared result? Compared to someone that well, compared to where you you weren't doing this type of work. Well, I, I I write about it. Sorry, I was just putting it aside. Is I write about it in the beginnings of selling from the heart. I talk about sales chaos, and to me, sales chaos occurs when you wake up in the morning and you get out of bed you knock back a banana and a cup of coffee and you start checking your email or you watch the news. I'm not here to say, you know, y'all, y'all have choices and you can do whatever you want to do in the morning. Yeah. However, transforming your morning and how you play out your morning determines what happens throughout the day. I'm mm -hmm. here to share it's, it's, it's mind blowing how this Absolutely. plays out. So what's happened with me, especially during the pandemic, as we push through this pandemic, is a way I've transformed my morning. I've gotten to deeper connections with my clients. Now when I'm out prospecting for business, yes, prospecting for business, because I got to grow my business as well. Yep. I now have things to talk about with like-minded executives because the one thing that I've noticed is like-minded people hang out with other like-minded people. High achievers hang out with other high achievers. Very nice. I I, I love what you went, just went through. Like take take, um, I, I would call that getting a hold and, and understanding and become aware of what you go through throughout the day. Setting goals, you know. Here's who I'm going to reach out to. Here is what I'm going to work on my heart, on my fit physical body, and my you know. Uh, mindset and the rest of it. And um, uh, I, I think at the end of the day, and correct me if I'm wrong, it gives you awareness of where you were at, what happened today, and what you're going to do maybe today or tomorrow. Or I, I mean, I mean, li literally, um, maybe it's a, a so I'm going to give some credit to my parents. I'm a big believer your products, your environment. Uh huh. And, you know, it took me a long time to figure this out. But I grew up with a lot of process and planning and I didn't know it and I didn't realize it until later on in life. This works for me. I just learned how to manage my time really well. Mm -hmm. And I learned how to manage my activities within that to a T. So I time block everything. I color code everything. Now it might be a little bit extreme, but it works for me, right? I'm yeah. a Google, I'm a Google freak. I can look on my Google calendar on any given week and it's color coded. I know exactly, you know, between the hours of three and four, I color code in a certain way. I can glance through that and I know that's my time, right? Exactly. Then Perfect. all everything that I have in red is client facing new opportunity generating stuff. That's in one color. If I want to decompress, so sometimes during the week I'll take three hours where I decompress. That's a different color. Mm-hmm. When I podcast, that's a different color. So I can look throughout a given week and I know instantaneously what happens every single week. 
and, right. and, I th- and, and I think what I think what happens is if we don't control time, it'll control us. Right. We all have the same. We all have. Our, I'm a big Craig Rochelle fan. I listen to Craig Rochelle podcast all the time. And I remember him saying something to the effect. And I'm going to I'm going to butcher it, but you all get the sense. He goes, I don't believe that we have a time problem. We have an energy problem because we all have the same amount of time in a given day. It's 24 hours a day. That's it, right? There's not 24 hours and seven seconds. There's 24 hours in a day. It's the energy that you put forth within that time frame. Stop and think about that for a second. I I just learned that between the hours of when I wake up and mid afternoon, my brain works is on high octane. Yeah. And I'd maximize it the best that I can. And then after that, I, I, I the, you will never find me engaged in a, in a meeting that requires a lot of brain power past three o'clock in the afternoon. It's not going to happen. But I'll engage, I'll, I'll engage in conversations, right, with a client or a conversation with a prospect that doesn't require what I call a lot of brain power because I know I'm not on my game. And if they want to meet in the afternoon, I'm going to encourage them. Why don't we just revisit this, you know, in a week or so in a couple of days in these times, just a thought. Absolutely. No, I really like that idea of doing the most important things in the morning. I am the same. Like when I read, uh, if I read in the morning, that's when I observe the most. Like, I don't have to think about too much because my brain is somewhat empty. And then when, when my brain's, brain's engine gets going in the afternoon or in the evening, it doesn't absorb as much. And I could think, think a lot better and faster in the morning. So we have, and the question is, Adele says, how do you prioritize your activities? I mean, there are sales, marketing, fulfillment, learning, implementation, support. How do you juggle different hats? So... Um... It's, it's interesting is a couple things is I learned how to prioritize like me time first. And then after me time, when it starts getting into work time, I will tell you this. Mm-hmm. I, pros- I prospect every single day. That's one activity, right? So, I prior- so it gets back to this, pr- how do you prioritize activities? I just hold myself accountable to do it. It's non-negotiable. Is, you know, when I look throughout my whole sales career, there were certain non-negotiable activities that I held myself accountable to. And I write about it in Selling from the Heart. There's a vast difference between what I call a sales professional and a sales rep, right? There's a vast difference between a professional athlete and an amateur athlete. Yeah. So quite simple, right? And I'm I'm just going to be real direct when I say this is sales professionals are willing to do the things that most sales reps aren't willing to do. And that's hold themselves massively accountable to themselves. So I prioritize those activities, right? I know when I get up and I hold myself accountable to the first hour, then I do other things, right? Then at six o'clock I journal. Then for an hour, yes, for an hour I prospect. I'm looking to start conversations. I'm looking to grow my business and I hold myself accountable to do it. And I prospect seven days a week. I'll repeat that. Seven days a week, which means Saturday and Sunday, I prospect. Now, some of you guys are going, Larry, you're a box of rocks. What the heck, right? No, I figured out that 
when we combine different ways to prospect and all include social into this, social doesn't sleep. I found that if you want to engage executives, do it when it's non-working hours. Oh. I found the single best time to engage with executives all over the world. And I'll, I'll, I'll give you a little tip. It works hands down. If my wife happened to jump on this podcast right now, she'd validate the whole thing. Saturday mornings and Sunday mornings between the hours of six o'clock and eight o'clock West coast time. So y'all can figure out the clock difference wherever else you're at between six o'clock in the morning and eight o'clock West coast time here in Los Angeles, I can set one to two conversations and appointments with executives. It's on my calendar. I do it every single Saturday and Sunday and I hold myself accountable to do it. Hmm. Those are, those are, those are things that I do. So getting, I just, I just, and I'll I'll come back to it, but I want to make sure that I answer the question is I just prioritize and I color code calendars. And I know that that's my prospecting time. Here's my client facing time. Here's my marketing time. Um, We have an admin person at selling from the heart. I offload my stuff to my virtual admin person. So we've just learned how to delegate tasks to maximize the amount of time that I have in a given day to get everything done. It's hard to juggle multiple hats, but I time block everything. So I know by an hour what I'm doing and I stick to it. Do I deviate from it every now and then? Yeah, because something's going to happen where I need to shuffle the deck, but I know how to juggle sales and marketing admin stuff. We offload and things out and that it works for me. But I've just become I just become really astute at managing time and holding myself accountable. And I have a no excuse mindset. And that means that means the stuff gets done. I don't come up with excuses. I hold myself personally accountable to. That's what makes me me. But that's what I coach salespeople to do. So how do you do, where do you go for prospecting? Is it on phone, email, LinkedIn, social media, uh, a combination of what's your go-to approach? It, 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 just, just think about it. And I, I'm, I'm not one who says, you know, old school versus new school. And this is the way to prospect, right? To me, you prospect leveraging every means available to you. I'll give you an analogy and I use a golfing analogy because I write about it in Selling from the Heart and I've written some articles about it as well, is let's just look at a professional golfer for a moment, right? A professional golfer knows how to use every club, iron wedge and putter in their bag to the best of their ability, right? Absolutely. There's 14 clubs in a standard golf bag. Mm-hmm. And regardless, if you're the number one golfer in the world or you're the 250th ranked golfer in the world, I promise you this, they know how to use those clubs to the best of their ability based on where that ball is on the course. What's different to me, what's different between the number one and the 250th ranked golfers mindset and skill set, right? And their attitudes. It's the same thing that if we take that philosophy and we apply it to sales and we apply it to prospecting, let's use the analogy of 14 clubs in a golf bag. I'm here to tell you this, that most, and yes, I'm saying it, most salespeople are going to develop business with two or three clubs in their prospecting bag, their email, phone, and spotty at best with social. And they expect to succeed or they rely on somebody else, right? An SDR or BDR to prospect. And I probably just opened up a whole nother can of worms with all this stuff. 
But how many salespeople have a prospecting mindset? They don't, right? Sorry, they don't. So when I look at prospecting, there's many different ways to prospect. Now, I might be a little bit different just because, you know, I have a podcast and, and, and so forth, but I leverage my podcast. I leverage my book. I leverage how I position myself on LinkedIn. I write articles. I listen, right? To me, the single best thing that any salesperson can do right now is listen. To me, listening is the new prospecting. What do I mean by that? Every salesperson should be following and should be connected to their current customers. Every salesperson should have an account target, some kind of a targeted account list. And inside that targeted account list, whether it be 25 or 50, whatever that number is, they should be following and they should be connected and they should be listening to what's going on in a digitally driven, socially connected world. And they should be listening for clues. And what am I saying? And this is how, this is how my brain works, but follow along with me. Because the late Jim Rohn said this, success leaves clues. Yeah, You've probably heard that before. So now I'm going to flip this on its head for all the salespeople that are out there. So let's take the late Jim Rohn, what he said, success leaves clues. I'm going to replace one word in this and follow along with me. I'm going to replace the word success with social. And I'm here to tell you that social leaves clues for you to prospect. What do I mean by that? I just mentioned a minute ago, listening's the new prospecting. Social leaves clues. Salespeople, if you're honing in on this right now, as you're watching or listening to this, your clients are posting things on social. Yep. Your prospects are posting things on social. People within those companies are posting things on social. People, those are clues. They are leaving you clues. A smart sales professional is going to listen, right, and watch for those clues. And they're going to leverage those clues to open up new conversations with people to engage in how they can help them do better business. Make sense? I'm sorry, I got disconnected for a second. No, I was, I was just gonna say that a smart salesperson, if you didn't catch what I was saying, I'll just repeat a little bit of it. A smart salesperson is gonna follow their clients. They're gonna follow their customers. Absolutely. Um, however you wanna refer to them, clients or customers, it's totally up to you. But I have my own two cents on that. They're gonna follow their prospects. They're gonna pay attention to what they're posting on social. Yeah. Because those are clues. I think today, right? I, I, you know, and I grew up in the old analog world. I had to prospect like a mad person, right? I had to do 50 cold calls a day and I had to beat the hell out of the phones, right? But that's what made me me. That's just the era I grew up in. Yeah. But, here, but here's, here's what's interesting. One of the, it was the first two books I ever read. One was by Dale Carnegie. The other one was by Tom Hopkins. And Tom Hopkins is a near and dear friend of mine. He wrote the book, How to Master the Art of Selling. He's a sales legend. That was the second book I read. The first book I read was by Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Yep. And that book was written in 1937. And the core principles of that book still is alive and well today. The Absolutely. core foundation of that book is building relationships and changing the way people think. Let's transfer this to 2021. Salespeople, you're still building relationships and changing the way people think. The tools have changed. The prospecting tools have changed. 
Does the phone still work? Yes. Does email still work? Yes. Does social work? Yes. Does networking events work? Yes. They're done differently. Everything's done differently now. But yeah. we get so caught up in the sales world of what doesn't work and what works and so forth. It's why one of my favorite sayings in selling from the heart is this. Salespeople have hypnotized themselves into believing what they're not doing doesn't work. Think about that for a second. Mm -hmm. Can you repeat that one more time, please? Yeah, there's a double negative in there. So just follow along with me on it. Salespeople have hypnotized themselves into believing what they're not doing doesn't work. Can you your wheels are turning on this one? I could tell. Yeah. So follow, so follow along with me and I'm just going to keep it simple. Okay. I'll have a conversation with a salesperson, right? And they'll say, Hey, Larry, none of this social stuff even works. Well, have you tried it? No. Then how do you know it doesn't work? Yeah, exactly. Right. That's as simple as that. It's just that salespeople will be the first, they're, they're like Debbie doubters. They will tell you, oh, this stuff doesn't work. And they might throw in a nasty word or explicative in there, right? They may say, this stuff just doesn't work. Well, how do you know? And then I there's dead silence, right? And that's why I say salespeople have hypnotized themselves into believing what they're not doing doesn't work, right? Now, this pertains to prospecting. How do you know prospecting doesn't work? How do you know email prospecting doesn't work or the phone and all that? It's because you pay attention to the noise. Yep. And you got crappy messaging and you open up conversations just like everybody else. Love it. Can you give us an example of how you um, used a prospect's social media posting to your advantage when it comes to reaching out to them? Yeah, I do it all the time. So, you know, a lot of it is just, so, so here's what's interesting. I'm going to keep this really simple. I'm going to answer that question is I believe there's two reasons. These are, they're near and dear to me. You may agree or you may not. That's okay. But I believe that people post things on social for two reasons. They want to be seen and they want to be heard. Yep. Okay. If they didn't want to be seen and they didn't want to be heard, they wouldn't post, right? Plain and simple as that, right? This stuff's not rocket science. It's fairly simple stuff. If you take that, if you take the, if you take the whole philosophy that people post on social because they want to be seen and heard, then flip this from a now sales mindset. Focus in on this and just say, okay, if I'm following my clients and I'm connected to my clients, I'm following my targeted opportunities, people I'd like to do business with and people inside of those. If I'm following them, then the easiest way for me to get noticed is quite simple. Insert my voice into their content. Pay attention to it. Offer a different point of view. Acknowledge it. It's, okay. it's, 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 it's that simple. So okay. I have, so for instance, I have a targeted account list here at Selling from the Heart. These are people and companies I'd like to do business with. Yep. I follow them. I learn something about them. Can you give us I, a specific example of a, you don't have to name names, but say, John, you saw John posting about something. You're like, all right, here is then, here's what you did with that information. Yeah. So, so that, so that's just say a company that I'd like to do business with. 
right? You know, A, it's the company. And then obviously there's key individuals, influencers, decision makers in there. So I'm a big believer that we have to go six deep. I'm a, a minimum, right? Yeah. So, so follow along with me. So I want to do business with ABC company. So yeah. I start following them on social and I tag it and I put it into my CRM and so forth, right? This is a company that I'd like to do business with. So I start learning something about that company. Right. Then, then I identify six to eight to 10 decision makers, influencers, key individuals inside that company who may be socially active. I Got identify it. who they are and I put them into my CRM. Okay. And then I start going on a listening hunt and I will start following their content. So if it's on the company level, right, and they post some, an article or an event they did or something like that. I might acknowledge the company event by just giving it a like. Now you can't take likes and comments to the bank, but it's what you do with it. Right. Okay. My good friend, Mark Hunter, who introduced us has told me that, right. He says, everybody, you can't take likes and comments to the bank. You can't cash those, but I'm a big believer. It's how you convert those to conversations that matter. So at a company level, I'm retagging the company back in. In other words, <clears throat> excuse me, at ABC company, right. That pops up on LinkedIn. Looks like you had a great time at that event. I keep it simple right? Glad to see you're community-minded. So am I. Keep up the great work, right? If it's an article they posted at a company level, I'm going to read the article. I'm going to learn something about the article, and I'm going to put my two cents into that comment section. Now, now, if it's an individual, if I say it's an executive, I'm going to start following what they're doing, right? I'm going to start looking for what they're posting, and again, I'm looking for ways to insert my voice into their content, a way to acknowledge it, right? If, if they posted it, if they wrote something themselves, I'm going to read it. I'm going to offer my two cents on it. I'm going to congratulate them on it. Hey, I really enjoyed this article, especially this paragraph. This is yeah. what it meant to me. I might even, you know, then I'll ask them to connect. And I'm a big believer in this is I want salespeople and people out there the fastest way to get noticed is engage in other people's content. And then for you to keep in mind is, am I worthy of having a conversation, right? So in other words, John Smith's the CFO at ABC company. If I start commenting on John Smith's content and I start piquing his curiosity, what do you think he's gonna do? He's gonna go, who's this Larry Levine guy, right? Right. He may view my profile. He may start following me. He may comment back into some of my content. If he's my ideal person I'd like to do business with, I'm probably going to ask him to connect. Yeah. And then he's going to go to my profile. He's going to see my presence. He's going to see what I do out there. And it's an easy transition to a conversation. It's because I want, this is what I really want people to key in on. So when you're prospecting, leveraging this, I'm not here to discredit anybody and how they prospect leveraging LinkedIn or social, however you want to throw this out there. It's how are you positioned? Are you worthy of having a conversation with? Do you look like there's somebody who's credible? So there's three E's that I live by. And those three E's, I hold myself accountable to it. The people I work with, I hold themselves accountable to this. If you want to get, if you really want to understand how to play this really well and be successful at it, it's about educating your network, engaging with your network, and exciting the hell out of them into a conversation. Bring some passion to what you do. 
don't just act like everybody else. People always ask me, what's the key to success on social? I said, bring consistency to the table and quit playing the algorithmic games, right? Just consistently show up and act like a sales professional. If you consistently show up and act like a sales professional, you've just stood out amongst the other 95% of the people on this platform that are nothing but empty suits. Exactly. Hmm. And, and, and sorry, I'm being direct about it, but I just oh. speak my mind when it comes to this stuff. That's fair. Um, so, um, how long do you give it before you reach out to them? Like, how long do you try to engage them? Let's say they are posting. Let's say uh, you, uh, for example, I myself, mostly on my personal stuff, personal social accounts, I post about family pictures, right? And then obviously we air this show on social media. So how how long do you give it or how many interactions on average do you give it before or how do you gauge where, whether you should reach out to this person and start a conversation in private chat or offline? Um, sometimes it's immediately. Okay. Um, and, and I'll literally, so say I, I, I write an article every week, right? That gets posted on my website. It gets posted on LinkedIn. I see another Facebook comment. So I'm going to go ahead and address that in a moment from somebody who asked about the Excite part of this. I'll get to that. So just re remind me. But every Sunday I'll post an article, right? I write it every Saturday. I've been doing that now for almost six years. And I will post an article every single Sunday. It goes out on LinkedIn, goes out Monday on my website. And I will look for engagement on my article. I will look for the likes. I will look for the comments. Those are the people that have shown interest in it, right? I don't care if 10,000 people viewed it, if 20 people viewed it. I really don't care. What I want are the people that have at least liked it. I don't care if they skimmed it and liked it. I don't care if they've read the whole thing and thrown their comments on there. That's engagement. And right from then is I will start looking through the likes and the comments. Who are these people that commented on it? Do they fit my ideal customer profile, right? Yeah. And if they fit my ideal customer profile, in other words, somebody who I would like to do business with based on my criteria, then immediately, I mean, immediately, I'm asking them to connect on LinkedIn. And it's something as simple as this. I'll even give you the verbiage, right? Hey, Bill, I am so glad that you found your way to my Sunday article. I'm honored, right? It'd be an honor if I can connect with you on LinkedIn. Would you mind? Look forward to getting acquainted, Larry. I keep it simple. It's pleasant. It's nice. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Then non-threatening. It's non-threatening. Non-salesy. I like it. And, and here's the thing: one or two things are going to happen. They're either going to accept it or they're not going to accept it. Simple mm -hmm. as that. Yep. And if they accept it, that's the start of a conversation. Right. They accept it. Then my next thing that happens is immediately. Right. If I see it right, if they're online and we're online at the same time, if not, I, I'll see it on my mobile device. Then if they accept, I'll just say, right on, right? And and this is the this gets back to the excite part of this that, that somebody had put in here. What's the excite part of this, right? If somebody accepts my connection request, I might go right on exclamation point. There's some excitement behind it, right? Hey, right on, John. Thanks for accepting my invitation to connect here on LinkedIn. I'm here to be a resource to you along the way. 
please let me know how I may be of service. All the best, Larry. It's as simple as that. Mm -hmm. Again, one or two things are going to happen. They're either going to comment back or they're not. And then if they don't, it's not over. I just take that, goes into my CRM. I throw a little tag and I say, reach out to the person in three or four days. And when I reach out to that person in three or four days, I say something like this. You enjoyed my article last week. Here's one from three weeks ago that you may like. Very interesting. That's it. That's it's a, right. It's, it's that simple. Do but, you follow up with them on that? Absolutely. Especially if I want to do business with them. The, the whole thing behind sales is, you know, everything gets lost in the, in the lack of follow-up. However, if it's somebody that I'd like to do business with that fits my ideal customer profile, if I can't engage in that conversation and move it offline in a natural, humanistic, non-salesy fashion, then I'm going to just go ahead and get that loaded into my database. And I'm just going to start setting callbacks. And then it's going to be three days later, I'm going to send them another article. Hey, by the way, if you found this article useful, find your way to Selling from the Heart. Go to sellingfromtheheart.net. You'll find all kinds of resources there, access to my podcast. And I leave it like that. And I'm a big believer that the more you give, the more you get. The more you give, 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 the more value you give, the more insight you give, the more education you impart on somebody. It comes back tenfold. Here's what I'd like everyone to think about. And, and, and this goes to sales funnel work is if salespeople want to have an ever flowing sales funnel, they must build an ever flowing relationship funnel. I'll repeat it again. If you all want to have an ever flowing sales funnel, you must build an ever flowing relationship funnel. Very nice. Think about okay. that one and how it pertains to prospecting. What what is then a, a uh, relation? Uh, let me uh, let's answer the uh, the excite part. Can you tell us more about the excite part? So he said, uh, in, uh, engaging and exciting. Can you tell us more about the excite part? And I want to go back uh, to the definition of relationship funnel and what what you mean by that. Okay, sure. So, let's so go to the excite part first. Excite part. Hopefully, I've been imparting some excitement during this time that we have together, right? If you bring zero passion to what you do, if you're not excited about what you do, it yep. comes across instantaneously. Absolutely. It's the tonality you use, right? It's, um, you know, I'm a big believer in leveraging video. I'm a big believer that words matter and message matters. How you insert an exclamation point, right? How you use all this stuff. Hey, I'm super excited that you connected with me. I am so glad you connected with me. I love what I do. It would be an honor to, to have a conversation with you, right? Exclamation point, things like that. Um, boring, people can tell when you're just delivering monotone stuff. It comes across in messaging. It comes across in video messaging. Is it, That's the excite part of this. If you have no passion, if you have no clarity behind your messaging, anything like that, people sense it. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, your excitement and whether you're happy and and energetic about what you do comes across in all forms of communication. I mean, it's, they see your profile, they, they see the way you communicate, they say the way the way you respond, and your language and the rest of it. 
Yeah. So I, I want to get, I want to get back to this relationship funnel part of this Absolutely. And, and, and here, and, and again, follow along with me again, it's how my brain works, but it, 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 tra- it, it helped me throughout my whole sales career and transferring into how I work with sales teams. Now that's leverage. I'll leverage you. I'll just use you as an example, right? Okay. Just because I connect to you, right? Yep. Just because you agree to have a conversation with me, doesn't mean that you know me, like me, trust me, or even want to do business with me. Mm-hmm. You follow? Yep. It's up to me to earn the right to move that along. So when I meet somebody for the very first time, so let's just think about this funnel work. Like there's, again, I'm going old school on this, but I think you all will get it is there's top of middle of bottom of a sales funnel. Mm-hmm. I believe, and I submit there's top of middle of and bottom of a relationship funnel. I meet you for the very first time. You might be my ideal customer profile, right? You might be somebody I want to do business with. However, I just met you. That sits at the top of the relationship funnel. I have to do something to earn your trust, earn the right to keep advancing that, right? That means I, and and it's me, it's all about selling from the heart. I'm going to pour myself into you. I'm going to give of you. I'm going to give some value. I'm going to educate you. I'm going to give you some insight. Yeah. And I'm going to keep advancing that. And I'm going to have some conversation. I'm going to get to know you. I'm not saying this is a long dance and a long drawn out process. For all those people out there going, well, now you're going to slow things down. Think about it. Most sales funnels are anemic because they only know a few people inside those accounts and those accounts are sitting somewhere on a funnel that have been there for a while. I, I, I held myself accountable to this, to rhyme, but follow along with me. The more you know about someone, the more you grow with somebody right? The more you know, the more you grow. The more you learn from someone, the more you earn from someone. Yep. Absolutely. And the only way you do that is to double down on the relationship. And I doubled down on the relationship part of this. And it's just by this, the more comfortable I made somebody feel, the more comfortable I made somebody feel with me, the more comfortable they became and in turn they would share uncomfortable things going on in their business. Mm-hmm. Think about that for a second. Yeah. And, and, and the, I use the, I use these two words early on in our time together, connect and relate. The faster I can connect to somebody, the faster I can relate to somebody, the faster I put somebody in a comfortable state of mind, the faster they're going to start opening up about things. Absolutely. And, and here, and here's one, here's one last thing, because it's all been told to us time and time again, how many times in sales world have we heard this? And I'll use my name as an example. I'll pick on myself. Hey, Larry, right? I don't want you to take this personal, but we decided to take our business elsewhere. Larry, please don't take this personal. We decided to do business with, right? Somebody else people, it happens, but we've been let down like this in sales all the time. I'm flipping this on its head. Business today, post pandemic is personal. The more personal you make it, the better off you'll be. The more comfortable you make somebody feel with you, the more comfortable they will start sharing things about themselves and their company that they're not sharing with other people, which means you got to go first. 
you got to share a piece of you first before they'll ever share a piece of themselves with you. Love it. Larry, it's been an, how are you doing for time? Do you need to run? Uh, no, I don't run. I walk. Do you need to walk? No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> yes. Do you need to run? I said, no, right? It's just a corny comeback. So. Oh, so here's the deal. It's been an hour and I haven't even started asking my questions. <laughs> <laughs> so so how, how about this let's just do part two of this let's i'd love to it. come back you save your questions and we'll come back for part two let's do it so let me ask a couple of uh, uh, um, another question that i had so what's your best tip on getting personal fast describe personal without crossing the line uh, so you said that the to open up, the faster you get to talk, and the faster they they will they will share. Right. right? So uh, so so I'll give you I'll I'll give you a, I'll give you a real world personal situation. Right. And yeah. I, I'm a I'm a big believer in I look at things in like a 90 day period. This yeah. is how this is how my brain works. Right. So if I'm having a conversation with you and I want to make it and I want to get personal. So I'm talking personal without crossing the line, personal, right? Turn these things into HR moments, which is a no-no. Yeah. So I might say something like this, right? Hey, Mustafa, you know what? Over the last 90 days, I'm, I'm doing some reflection. And over the last 90 days, you know, I learned these three things about myself. Mm -hmm. I over the last 90 days, I transformed a little bit of, of my morning routine. Instead of reading one chapter a day, I read two chapters a day of leadership quality books. Hey, I'm just curious. What's the last 90 days look like for you? You see where I'm going with this? I'm sharing a little personal things about me in order to get somebody to feel comfortable to share a little bit of personal things about them. All right. So you go in first, you share some of the personal stuff, and then they get to come back if they want to open up. and. Well, it, well yeah. I mean, well, you use the word if. But here's what here's where I want to go with this. It's how you phrase the questions, right? Hey, Mustafa, you know, over the last 90 days, I've been reflecting on what I've learned new, right? This is what I've learned. Hey, I'm just curious. What's the last 90 days look like for you? Yeah. What's 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 one thing you've learned new? What's one challenge that you've had? What's one roadblock you've been faced with? What's the next 90 days look like for you? Love it. Love it. Those are great questions. And, and, and then yeah. from there, now this goes back to the art of intentional listening. Don't, don't, right? You're going to share a piece of you, but share a piece of you because you want to. Yeah. And then ask them for something in return. And intent and just with intention, listen and listen hard and then play off of what they say. It's the huh. art behind the conversation. I remember a while back on the Selling from the Heart podcast, we had somebody who's, who just had a mic drop moment. And he said, what I'm deeply concerned with is that many in sales are conversationally incompetent. Think about that. And I go, holy smokes. I said, where are you going with this? He goes, I believe many in sales are conversationally incompetent because all of their conversations are sales centric. 
They're all selling, selling, selling. They're, they're right. all selling, selling, selling. But if I want to get to know you, it's certainly not going to be about sales-centric crapola. Hmm. So you want to make it more personal and create a relationship before you start vomiting. Yeah. So, so it's, you know, it's interesting. I'm a big CNBC junkie. I love watching CNBC. I love watching Shark Tank. I'm drawn to a guy named Marcus Limonis. Now, Marcus Limonis has a reality show on CNBC called The Prophet. He also happens to be the CEO of Camping World here in the United States. Hmm. Very successful, very successful person. He was first generation. They were, his family was immigrants. They came here. He's a self-made millionaire. Nice. And on the profit, he works, he gives back to like small and medium-sized businesses. So small and medium-sized businesses that are struggling, he pours himself, he'll pour himself and his money into it to help resurrect their business. In return, he gets a piece of the company, right? And so forth. I happen to love it because I believe salespeople can learn a lot from shows like this, whether it be Shark Tank or The Profit. Watch, you know, some of the show, the, the business-centric shows on CNBC. You can learn a lot. And Marcus Lemonis, you know, talked about this business as personal. He gets personal with the companies he's going to invest in really quick. He wants to know their story, so he wants to connect to them. He wants to find something he can relate to. He wants to know their backstory. He wants to know the story of how they're marketing themselves out in the community. Why? He even says that business is personal. People relate to personal things, and it's then how you transfer that to business that will propel sales professionals. That's what sales professionals do really well. They learn how to connect at a human level and relate at a human level that in turn, they have high levels of business acumen. They got phenomenal business conversational skills that can transfer that to how can I help you do better business? They got great questioning skills. They got high confidence. They're clear and concise with their messaging. And I can go on and on and on on this one. Absolutely. Very, very interesting. All right, uh, Larry, can you tell us about your gift that you're sharing with us? Yeah, if you all go to sellingfromtheheart.net forward slash book, you can just pay shipping and handling and you can go ahead and get a free copy of Selling from the Heart. Absolutely. So just go to sellingfromtheheart.net forward slash book. And if you just pay for the shipping and handling, you'll get a signed copy of Selling from the Heart with a couple other little gifts in there. Absolutely. And gang, as you can see and 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 here, Larry definitely knows what he's talking about when he comes to selling from the heart. And we've we've, we've just had having such an engaging conversation right off the bat that it's been an hour and a few minutes, and I haven't even started my com my question. Yet. <laughs> uh, and I'm being honest, so we'll get a copy of uh, Selling from the Heart from Larry Levine. Get a hold of him and try to absorb and. Uh, digest as much information about selling from the heart as you possibly can. That's now, been awesome. I appreciate this time. Yeah, I, I, by the way, I couldn't believe it was an hour. Yeah, I, I, and and I, I, and I I just looked at it. And I was like, wow. Uh, I have I honestly haven't even asked my first question. Like, <laughs> like, like, like we just we it just we just went on on a on a great conversation and some follow up questions, and it's just been. A value bomb with uh, what you just shared here. So I really appreciate that. Now uh, we definitely have to come back for to uh, do maybe a part two of this, and so I, we could talk more about uh, selling from the heart and dig deeper into. I'd love that. to. All you gotta do is let me know. 
I'd be more than yeah, happy to come we'll, back. We'll definitely set that up. Now, before we wrap up, is there anything that you would like to add And uh, before we get going? Yeah, just just one thing. And, and, and again, I touched on it just real briefly, but I wish I would have done this in my 20s and I didn't really learn this until my 50s. It's find an inner circle and hone in on it. What do I mean by inner circle? Is I had to divorce myself of certain relationships over time that were toxic. Yeah. And and to me, your inner circle is going to clearly define you. And I didn't really realize that until my 50s. Is your inner circle, I call it a board of directors, they're going to propel you to new heights. And these are right. So when I talk about my inner circle, right, these can be friends who know me, who are like minded. This could be somebody who's brings me spiritual advice. This could be somebody who brings me financial advice. This is could bring somebody who gives me leadership advice and I hold them near and dear to me. Absolutely. And if there's anything I can impart on people is find an inner circle, develop an inner circle of influencers, people that can help propel your career and watch what starts to happen. If there's anything I can impart on anybody, it's that is learn to double down and develop a close knit circle of influence Absolutely. and watch what starts to happen. And I and, and I believe that's uh, that's uh, along the lines of your 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 six closest friends basically determine your future. Yeah, right? totally. And, and you know, and 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 I and I look back on my journey that's unfolded just in the last four years and bringing selling from the heart to the forefront and going from copier sales to speaking all over the world to creating a movement around authenticity and sincerity and heart is I doubled down on my center of influence and I put myself in proximity to people of influence. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very valuable. Larry, I really appreciate uh, you and your, your, the information that you shared and all the, actionable advice that you share with our, with our audience. And I actually learned quite a bit to, uh, today myself. So I really appreciate that. Gang, if you're watching or listening, go to uh, sellingfromtheheart.net forward slash book to get a hold of uh, Larry's uh, book, uh, Selling From The Heart. All you have to do is pay for shipping and handling and they'll send you a free copy of the book. Thank you, Larry. Thank you, gang, for tuning in. My pleasure. In. You have any questions about the topic of uh, selling from uh, the heart for me or Larry? Pop him in the chat box or reach out to Larry, ask the questions, get a hold of him. He obviously knows what he's talking about. And I look forward to our second conversation so we could continue on what we just started today. Awesome. Look and forward I, to it. Absolutely. And as usual, don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, ask questions, or tag friends who could benefit from our conversation here. And I look forward to uh, our next episode. If there are any certain topics that you would like us to cover, uh, put, put them in a comment below and uh, we will, I'll try to find someone that would be a, a, a subject matter expert on what you're asking. And then uh, we'll see what we could do on that. Thank you again for joining Daily Conference for Entrepreneurs. My name is Mustafa Hosseini. I look forward to seeing you on our next episode. Bye now.